You've now locked into Living Blessed, the podcast, where we're talking the highs, the lows, the darkest moments that we've all hidden from the world, and everything in between. This is the moment of truth. This is why we're living blessed. And now, your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Living Blessed, the podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer. And as always, we have amazing people on the podcast sharing transparent and vulnerable moments. I have another great person who I have now adopted as my brother. And I'm going to let him introduce himself because he corrected me like 30,000 times on how to say his name. And I thought I was saying it right, which I was. But I'm going to let him do his own introduction because, I mean, he got a cool name. I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate that. My name is Kanale Louder. Louder by definition. Mm. Mm-hmm. Louder by definition. Definitely. What's so loud about it? There is a phrase where people do a lot. So it's like you're silent, but your actions are loud. So you, you're, you're echoing past your grave with the actions that you do by being loud. Mm. Give me the root word of your name. I meant the word, but like, what's the definition of Kanale? Kanale, it is African-Hawaiian. So African-Hawaiian? Mm-hmm. I never knew that was a thing. Everything in Hawaii is African. I mean, everything, everything is African. Right. Well. In my opinion. I agree. I agree. But with this, it means the adornment paid to royalty. The adornment? The adornment. The adornment. Paid to royalty. Paid to royalty. Yeah. Pave? Paid. Paid. Yep. So break all of that down because I'm not the smartest man in the world. Okay, so for my mother, I'm like a literal walking thank you to God. That's mm. what my name is. But in translation, it means the act of bowing. So. <laughs> yeah. Where are you all from? Tennessee. Clarksville, Tennessee. Well, St. Paul, actually. Tennessee. Oh, man. I thought your mom was going to say, like, another country. No, but we do have a lot of family on my father's side from another country. Where exactly? So my last name is Louder. A lot of my people are from Germany. Really? Mm-hmm. You ever been? Yeah. I was born there. So you're not an American citizen? Can we say that on camera? Yeah. Yeah, I'm an American citizen. I was born two military families. I just okay, there to, we go. That, right. Now that makes sense. But we have family that and were not military there. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So, man, let's get into this podcast. I'm interested to learn some more about you so let's go why why do you believe or why what do you know of your mom naming you kind of because you said it means a thank you to god right so when i hear that your mom seemed like your mom was thanking god for more than just your existence i like that i don't think i've ever thought of that but i know that the relationship with my mom, um, my father and my mom were not always rough. So I was like the gift mm. from that. You know what I mean? So whatever came out of that relationship, my brother and myself are like the best things that she got out of it. She's she's told us several times that we were what saved her life. Wow. Mm. That makes sense. What's your brother's name? Kadeem. Kadeem Jafar. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got some powerful names. 
Yeah. What's your middle name? Arkeem. My name is Kanale Arkeem Louder. Your brother's name is Kadeem Jafar. Jafar. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Now, that's from my mom. My, my, my dad has some more. So, what was life, what was childhood like for you? That depends on what part. Um, the earliest part, though, you that you can date back to. I remember being in Germany. I remember being in Germany, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, at the time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had just came out, mm-hmm. right? So my pops used to give us all those toys, man. Like, it was cool. I remember, I remember doing the um, where you go to your, your parents' job. Yeah, bring your kid to work day. Yeah, that was dope. That yeah, was yeah. dope. I got to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with a bunch of soldiers, and they were all cool. Both of them, man. My parents have a knack for attracting some really cool people. Mm. So I like to I like to think that I picked up on that. But it was dope, man. Now that was Germany. When we left Germany, we went to Tennessee. Well. From Germany, we went to Texas, and that's where my brother was born. Then we went back to Germany because I remember dragging him in the house with me, like everywhere. <laughs> like for real, that was, that's that was my best friend, like mm. literally. Like he couldn't walk, but he'll be there. I'm I'm, I'm dragging through the house, <laughs> and we have a really dope relationship, you know. Um, when we ended up going to Tennessee, though, that's when uh, my parents split. And we were at my grandmother's house. Um, she's she's passed, but when we were in that house, man, we had, my mom has three brothers. Well, had three brothers. One is living now, you know, and it was kind of a, that was a really rough transition because some of the, uh, choices of work that they chose was not conducive to uh, a child's upbringing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Say less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, man, thinking about that, man, I remember one time the, the police actually came in, they kicked in the door, and I remember getting kicked in my chest by an officer. And they, they took my uncle out. And and what's so crazy about that, I didn't know his real name. We just called him Uncle Pie. How old were you? I think like eight, eight or nine. So eight or nine years old, and you're dealing with the police busting in your home, mm-hmm. kicking you dead in your chest, mm-hmm. arresting your uncle, it was a bunch of them. A bunch of them. It was a bunch of them. Yeah. What was that experience like for you as a young black kid? I didn't know why they took him. I just knew that he wasn't there and my, my pops wasn't there. And those, that was uh, traumatic to say the least. You know what I mean? That, that definitely skewed how I saw you know, people who were supposed to be protecting us, you mm-hmm. know, and then, then next day you got, you have school, and then they have their education, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling you no more. Like, I was, I was, I was cool with the dare officer, you know what I mean? I'm not feeling anything that looks like you, because you, you represent 
you represent something taken from me. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, there's nothing about you that I'm I'm particularly fond of. It was difficult, man. You know, because even though they were the type of men that they were, that was all I had that I knew. You know, looked out for me. Yeah, yeah. For me and my brother, I have I had a the oldest is named Tommy. He's he's wild. We called him the Viking. Seriously, mm-hmm. we have Kenneth. That man had uh, four pastors and a politician at his funeral, and then we had my uncle David, David Auburn, who was probably mechanically the most intelligent person I ever met. But the road that they went down, you know, they they did what they could as men. But only Kenneth has children, and we became their kids. Mm. So growing up in that type of environment, what do you believe? No, what do you believe? Now, what effect do you believe it had on you growing into manhood or adulthood? Man, it's a good question. Growing up in Birchwood, Clarksville, Tennessee, on the north side, you come across a lot of people who have ulterior motives behind really good smiles. So you learn to peep game. You learn to pay attention to things that other people might not notice. Like, I'm aware, almost completely aware of what somebody wants in the way that they walk up. So if I walk up to you and my body language says I want to rob you, what's your instinct? You have a serious problem on your hand because mm. you're expecting to walk up on somebody that's unaware that that's about to occur. Yeah. And I might be better at it than you. You might be better at it than I. Mm-hmm. It's like an underestimation of your opponent. You don't know what's going on with me, but you think because I'm just standing there, I see your approach. I'm more aware of the situation if you are aware of situations like that. But body language tells a lot, man. You can tell what somebody wants and how they're going to approach you determines on how you're going to deal with them. You deal with things accordingly, but coming from a neighborhood like mine, mm-hmm. you, you don't you don't just walk up on people just any kind of way. Like, <laughs> that's just not a, that's not a good idea. Hmm. So, as you're growing older mm. and you're in this environment, how has it shaped you in your adulthood? I have learned to identify good people. I've learned to find where where I can get something out of. You know what I mean? You can you learn you learn how to hustle there. You know what I mean? And I don't want to make it out like it was just all bad. We had yeah, a lot yeah, of fun, right, yeah. you know. But my, I didn't. I grew up at a in a weird time. Like there weren't really kids my age, so I ended up hanging out with my uncles. And in my adult life, I have been able to find different ways to be able to make something, you know, end up on the table. 
And that comes out of sheer awareness. When you see an opportunity, go toward the opportunity. You know what I mean? I don't I don't want to be caught poor um, passing over opportunity regularly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm jumping on it as soon as I see it. Hmm. Now, what I had to learn was how to not jump on every opportunity and how to say no. Now, how, what made you, what made you want to not, to stop jumping on every, every opportunity? Because there's some people that say, yo, whatever comes my way, I'm on it. But you're saying you've learned, mm -hmm. which means there's an experience that probably happened mm -hmm. that told you I can't keep doing this or I can't keep living life this way. Yeah. Um, you don't want to get comfortable with inconsistency. So when you keep jumping from thing to thing, you're not you're not picking up consistency on anything except for the knowledge of, you know, having tested. Like I I know a lot of things, but I can't say that I'm a master of anything. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm I definitely know how to approach people. I definitely know how to network. I know how to get into the room and I know how to identify people who are of uh, a certain caliber that's able to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. You don't Now I know I know perception is not everything, but that's not what we're actually taught. We're taught based on perception. If you see somebody pants sagging, you know what I mean, hair every kind of way, you don't you don't think that they're on to something until you until you talk to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's a you gotta pay attention out here. So as you seen your uncle's transition to different types of lifestyles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did you find yourself falling into the same type of lifestyles then? Yes, in some ways. Yeah, cause um, well, Tommy, my oldest uncle, he was kind of a jack boy. And my uncle Kenneth was more of a hustler. What's a jack boy? What's a jack boy? Uh, somebody that feels like they need what you have more than you need it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. not that's not yours anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like Debo on Friday. Oh man. You see the chain, oh, that's my chain. Yeah. It's it's not yours. You're just wearing it. Yeah. I appreciate you wearing it for me, but yeah. it's mine now. Yeah. Yes. But you know what? So uh, even with that, you learn what type of, of people you can approach with that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody's not going for that. But you can almost identify. You can look at them in their face and tell if they really about that life or are they not. So he's just really keen. He's keenly aware mm -hmm. of uh the lack of confidence in someone. Matter of fact, I think Mike Tyson was talking about that. He 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 knew he won the fight before the fight got started. Mm. You know what I mean? That's the same thing. It's just being aware of your surroundings. You have to peep game, and if you can't peep game, man, you'll you'll have some stuff ran on you and not even realize that it happened until it's over with. Mm -hmm. So now you're at you're at fault by default because you yeah. didn't pay attention. Mm -hmm. Then my uncle Kenneth, he's like. He was my first entrepreneur that okay. I got to watch. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I watched I watched all of them I watched all of them go through different Kenneth was the hustler. Mm-hmm. So you learn how to how to make make something out of nothing watching him. You know what I mean? And my Uncle David, he was just a game runner. He will talk you out of your stuff. And you'll be happy to give it to him. Because he 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 knows how to pull on some hard strings, man. That man that guy he could talk some he could talk somebody into doing something that they just did not think that they were going to do in yeah. that day and then do the exact same thing to somebody else the next day. Like they were really smart. They were just they were coming at it from the wrong direction mm-hmm. with, with the things they learned. But you pick up on all that. I I, I took more than Tommy in my earlier years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in your early years, you say you picked up your uncle Tommy in what ways? If I wanted it and you had it, it's not yours no more. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, you know, I don't live like that no more. I'm a grown man. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. work for it. I don't live like that. Oh, we're not holding to your past, man. We just, yeah, yeah we're definitely not holding to your past. It's just every situation, mm-hmm. every obstacle, every thing that we go through, we tend to grow through. Yeah. And I can definitely tell from the story to the man we see today that you grew through a lot of things and it it goes to show how you can change your life in a matter of instances moments life lessons how do you believe you changed your life and did a 180 from your prior years to your current years I had kids. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Okay. That that did it for me. I I didn't see the problem was I I was I was good at all the bad. I was good at all the bad stuff, man. Mm. And and beefing where you have uh, altercations with people. All right. I was I was comfortable in it, and in, and in a really weird way enjoyed it like I when you're when you're always told that you're one way and then you always see it in media you know you tend to think that you are exactly that so if I'm gonna be it I'm gonna be good at it mm-hmm. and I'm going to enjoy it it's just when you want to have something different you know you, you do some different things right 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 I wanted to not have my kids have to deal with my mistakes because sometimes I may have miscalculated an opponent and not realize how far they're willing to go. Mm. And I just didn't want my children to have to deal with that. I, I didn't want them to have to come into a name like what I felt like I was coming into. When I when I came up, man, even the neighbor, the neighbor, we had a, it was a pastor that lived next door to us. Mm-hmm. And the kids that that were next door, mm-hmm. they always thought we were either gonna end up in prison mm-hmm. or something like that. And and it seems like it seems like we almost switched places. Yeah, in a sense, you know. So switching those places and kind of oh, being that guy and going through that life. What do you feel 
What was your biggest life lesson and all that? My biggest life lesson in going through it all? Mm-hmm. Accept what you can't change and change what you can't accept. Mm. If I'm if just because I'm in that environment don't yeah. mean I can't change that environment. That seemed to be my biggest life lesson. And I and I I really want other people to know the same thing. Just because you are where you are don't necessarily mean that you have to stay where you are. And even because you see it how you see it don't mean you have to continue seeing it how you see it. It's the same glass. It's the same deal that everybody's having to deal with now. How you choose to deal with change, how you how you see the outcome of it. I don't care what type of headache you go through. Headaches pass. It's just like a storm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of that growth. Because the better I can make me, the better I can make everything around me. Right, right. So, inside of that, mm-hmm. you said that your kids changed the trajectory of your life for you. They did. But sometimes it may not take the first child. Was it the first child? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So with it not being the first child, what was life like when you had that first child? Oh, man. What was was going on? At that time, I was really... You know what Reese don't like? He don't like he don't like rappers. I was a rapper at that time. You know. You don't like rappers, Reese? You don't like rappers? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't like dealing with me. I wouldn't have liked dealing with me now. You know. Okay, so you're a rapper. I was a rapper. Um, didn't put out any albums though. I was just always on stage. <laughs> For real, I was always on somebody's stage, and rapping in the club. And thugging, I was really not cool, you know. But mm-hmm. my first, my first child came out of wedlock. I've never been married, you know. But I didn't realize how big of a responsibility that it was until I knew what type of responsibility it was. And when I wasn't able, when I, I got, I got locked up for a little bit, and when I did not have access to just being able to walk outside when you're ready, you know, you can't play with that baby, you know. That that weighs on you. And you don't even, in the moment, you don't see how much it weighs on you until later in life. The relationship's not, not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the conversations are almost weird. Sometimes, I mean... Like we weren't we weren't a real deal type family until almost maybe three years back, three years ago, my son had to come stay with me for a good minute. He's been with me since been with me for about three years now. Wow. So your time incarcerated. What did that do for you? So I did not go to prison. I was just locked up in jail for a long time. They okay. kept me for a couple months. But what it did, it made me hone in on where I really wanted to be. Because, like, I always had, you know, like, dreams and aspirations. I just wasn't really putting no effort toward it. It's, it man, faith without works is really that dead. So you keep 
you get tired of just saying the same thing or, or you get tired of not getting the results that you're looking for. And my kids helped me start putting something down where I could have something to be able to pass. Um, so your kids put something down for you. No, them, them them being there allowed me to start making some traction in life. So what was the moment where you were like, something has to give, I can't be this guy anymore? Like, what was your turning point outside of the kids? Because the kids can do it for you, but there's something inside of a man where he has a turning point and he has a conversation with himself. Where he's saying, he's having that conversation, he's looking himself in the mirror, he's like, yo, I don't like this about you. I got to change this. And, of course, the kids are the reason why you, your reason why, or you're the reason you do it for. But inside of you, there's something, there's something where you say, I got to do it for me. Was that a moment for you, or it was strictly just the kids? No, I think it was, it was bits and pieces of, you know, different influences. My mother... never said this in front of the camera <clears throat> I had um, some people really not happy with me and they told my mother that they was gonna kill me and that really had a big a big deal in how I how I changed things because you don't realize how fragile your life is until you see somebody in a car accident for real and you don't want to feel like um, you were the reason for that car accident. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people around me who just wanted to see good out of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But my decision making was horrible. But that that was uh, my uncle had to go to speak on my behalf with somebody. Yeah, and when you realize that it's not all about you, you know that's what that's what changes it. It's not necessarily the kids, you know. When you realize that it's, that other people care, because like I said earlier, nobody nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I just didn't think nobody cared, mm -hmm. but when I saw that they did, that that really that helped me to change. I saw I was seeing my I was seeing my uncles go through that transition and in the process of that some of the conversations that we were having was helping me to develop, you know, and I I didn't want I just didn't want my kids to see me and um I didn't want my kids to come visit me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's what did it, man. That that letter to my mom changed me. The letter to your mom? Mm -hmm. That the worst my mom. They said they was gonna kill me, bro. I had it. I got a kill on sight. Thugging. Somebody a letter to your mom. Well, they 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 said it to her. They said, on sight when I see him. Mm -hmm. He's six feet under. Pretty much. What actually was said was I got to have his head. Mm -hmm. What were you doing? All the right of the wrong. <laughs> For real. Give me what you can. What I can? I was... I was a jack boy. 
I was taking from people and some of the people that I was taking from I knew couldn't take that conversation to the police and you you they want that back mm-hmm yeah you know? or sometimes it might have been somebody who I did something to but I knew that they, they weren't gonna do nothing but you might have somebody that love them and they will you, know, you don't you don't account for them mm. yeah 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 yeah. You so know? you're thinking if a strong arm this guy right here I don't know who he's connected to I wasn't worried about you it. weren't worried about I did not care I did not care there was absolutely no thought or consolation of who you was connected to I don't care if I want it I was gonna have it the problem with that is you start running across other people who think that way so you it perpetuates that type of conversation and there's a really cool brother that that was going through something like that that I've been listening to for the last two years you know mm-hmm. when you when you when you change the conversation you change the compensation and everything I, I just don't want to I don't want to be locked up I don't want to be forced to not be able to go see my baby yeah 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 mm-hmm. that's real man so you have this turning point mm-hmm. you have that conversation with yourself of course your kids are part of that equation right what were some of the things that you did to leave that life alone <clears throat> and to also let the life leave you alone as well because you can leave it yeah but sometimes that life just travels with you you can everywhere you go yeah well me and my brother had actually got into painting like we were we were doing industrial painting and we had to leave the, st- the the city. We left the state to go paint, and that kept that kept us away for a good while, you know. And in that time frame, I I kind of brainwashed myself. It was the first time that I ran across a racist who was black, and that was a change of everything. Like that was the first time I saw a guy who did not like anything except black people. And in the process of sitting with this guy, I learned that there were a lot of great things that our people came from. Like I I wasn't taught this kind of stuff in school, you know what I mean? When you when you when you're taught by the ones who when you're when you're taught by people who won, they have the option of telling you the story. So you're hearing history from their perspective, not from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like they they give you they give you words to keep you mentally, you know, lower. You know, like imagine imagine being in school and them not teaching about slaves. What if they gave you the true word, like prisoners of war? If you had been taught that, then you would still think that you were at war. You wouldn't be thinking that you were something that was needing to be directed. You know what I mean? But this guy gave me a lot of insight on just history that I didn't realize was, you know, really good. And a lot of his ways are not my ways, you know, <laughs> at all. Because my, 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 even my son is a mixed child, you know. And I think that was God saving me from myself because... Had I come back with that just in mind, I would have been a very different person. But 
when you learn when you learn about the good things that you that your people did, you know, it it it, it boosts your your self thought, what you think of you, because now you're thinking, I was supposed to be doing royal things from the get go. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to do that. I'm supposed to be sitting on top of a land full of peace and happy and prosperity. But when you're when you're always being told that you're not, you know, you tend to believe what's being told to you. It's like affirmation. Yeah. So I was I was brainwashing myself. You asked what what kind of things I did. There was a song by an artist that I knew I did not like this song, right? But it would play on the radio all the time, and I ended up singing the song. I knew the song word for word, so I was like, "Well, if I if I learn if I learn this song like that, and I knew I didn't like the song, maybe I could do the same thing with books." Huh? So I started playing books repetitively. I started playing book, man, bro. I I got into personal development. I watched a movie called The Secret. <laughs> that. That got me, that really got me going because then I started thinking, you know, more to the lines of what I was, what I was being taught in church, but because, you know, life and death and the power of the tongue, so you can speak things into existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If all we are, smaller, smaller creations of God who are in the book called God's, then I can create. It just takes me a longer time to do some creation. Matter of fact, it takes me with another God to be able to create a child. But until you have a, an awakening, you still sleep. So you're saying another God. Yeah. Yeah. Help me understand that. Um, because you reference God, mm -hmm. you reference church, mm -hmm. and you're referencing the God as us as beings, correct? Mm -hmm. So... Help me understand as to why you would call another being God and then but also how do you allow for God to still have God's authority over your life? First, let me say those are lowercase G's dealing with a big G. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not we're not anywhere in comparison or comparable mm -hmm. to big G. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But we are made in his likeness. We're made in this image. We are supposed to be creating. Like, that is the biggest gift he gave to us. So I can create, and if I want to create a life, it takes for me to link up with another mm -hmm. that God designed for me to have to be able to create a child. As a matter of fact, without, without those parts, I can't even create it. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So, but I, I did definitely understand that after watching some of the stuff that I got into is about manifesting and whatnot, that you can direct your path and it doesn't have to be, you know, so negative. So, so yeah, because I, I, I grew up in the church. I grew up in St. Paul, mm -hmm. you know, St. Paul AME. But, you know, you, you know, you know, I was one of them, one of them Christians need to get baptized every other year. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there was a there was a point in time where I just felt like I'm tired of having to look over my shoulder. Now I started brainwashing myself, started learning, started getting into personal development, and I stopped allowing everybody calling me 
for me to pick. I I, I stopped picking up the phone for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They brought they brought stress and headache. I'd just rather not pick up the phone and hear your stress and headache. I'll right. get back to you. Yeah. But right now I gotta focus on fixing all the every part of me that I knew was hurt or damaged. What was the first part you had to fix? How I thought. And then after that? What I would allow myself to do. I don't allow I don't know like uh I, I started taking words away from my vocabulary. I stopped saying can't. I stopped saying try. I don't even allow people to say try around me. Yeah, no. You see, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's real, man. No, for sure. You know what I mean, it's real. From looking at the people that I'm dealing with, you know, I I, I like to find, I consider myself royal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to speak to somebody unless I feel like they are royal. Like, that don't make sense. But the only thing I know about royalty is that it is absolute. Looking at you, look like you got more African in your blood than anything else. The only thing we know about Africa is that's where royalty was birthed. Right, right. So, when you say God's name, I remember. I remember in the book it said, "I am that I am." So anything you put out to that, you are literally evoking the the power of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you say the word "try," try means the option for failure. It does not work if you say "I am" and then say try or trying ah because you create a barrier between what is and what can be right in the same sentence in the same sentence yes it does not the frequency don't match you get nowhere trying you either do something or you don't do it now you can be in the process of doing something and it not work out how you want Mm -hmm. that's like being in a car and using a gps you may go down a dead end but you still have to turn around and get where you need to be and get there on time Dang. So if you were to give, if there's a brother who was going through the same exact thing that you're going, you've gone through, should I say, you experienced. Mm-hmm. And he said, yo, give me five steps to transform my life. What would they be? Because you gave us two of them. Are you able to give three more? Isolate yourself. Brainwash yourself. Get into personal development. Figure out what it is you want to do. And live the rest of your life doing it. Hmm. And how do you translate that to your life today? Do you have like an everyday affirmation that you do? Or is there like a, is there like a routine that you created for yourself? that just kind of keeps you on the straight and narrow. I'm not saying like the super straight and narrow, what we know it to be, but the straight and narrow for what you know you need your life to be because I have my own straight and narrow. Reese could have his, Drake could have his, you could have yours. So it's like, do you say every day, do you create something for yourself that says, I'm greater or my purpose is bigger than me? Like what what do you, what's your everyday thing? I do have affirmations. Hmm. I say every day, I am no longer what I was yesterday, and I am going to be a better version of me today than I was yesterday. That right there just keeps me from that keeps me from doing something messed up. Because if all I'm doing is incremental, you know, getting better incrementally, then 
you know, on a percentage wise, if you look at a a graph, you you end up in two very, very different directions. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what helps me. Man, you're a deep brother. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Thank you. No, nah, seriously, man. I, because just hearing your story and looking at you today, you would say, oh, that's two different people. It very much so is. You would say that kind of like that I know right now can't be the guy who just who he just shared. I am not that creature anymore. You aren't. I appreciate you for not being that creature anymore, but what I appreciate the most is that you just don't do it for yourself. You do it for everybody around you. If you see something, somebody says something negative, like last week when we met up, one of the brothers said, I'm trying. You said, are you trying or are you doing? And you didn't say it in a demeaning way, but you said it with the power and the authority that allowed for him to have power and authority in his doing and his being. You uplifted each and every last one of us through your own personal testimony, but also through your words and your actions. And for you to have that, that shows that's a testament to your character and who you are and who you be and who you continue to see yourself as a black man in today's society. So I applaud you, brother. I appreciate appreciate you, brother. So I'm going to do is a quick commercial real quick, close us out. And I want you to think of something that you can close out, man. Just leave us with some hope, some affirmation, or whatever you feel is your thing. So you want to do the commercial first, or you want me to wait? Yeah, I'm going to do my commercial first. All right, well, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by the Emboldened Institute. It is my space that I've created to help others affirm themselves and find hope and find aspiration in who they are and who they be. Text me, 404-476-6780. That's 404 404- Four seven six six seven eight zero. You can text me the word affirmation, or text me the word heal, or you can text me both simultaneously, and we'll get you added to the list. We send out these text messages daily, ten a.m. sharp, maybe a little off, but ten a.m. sharp for the most part. Where we send these out to you, where you can read these things out out loud, affirm yourself first thing in the morning, affirm yourself throughout the day. You can find that hope that there's just that little message of hope or that letter in the bottle that you need that's going to carry you through your day or through your week. So text me 404-476-6780. My good brother, close us out. Every problem has a solution. Stop looking elsewhere and look in the mirror. I promise you, you are that solution. Well, there you have it, folks. Gets no better than that. We're out. Peace.